been the Animated Series Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Gene No and X-Men the Animated Series Podcast. I am your first co-host, Sarah Musek. I am your second co-host, Sonia Nam. And I'm your third co-host, Drew Kunas. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that I voice did, so I did much, it again. Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Will you say Gene No in that voice? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gene No! <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Welcome back to the show, friends. Oh man, we are in the thick of it. We are in the middle of a four-parter titled Beyond Good and Evil. We are at part two. And key question for both of you is, did either of you watch part one? Or are we coming in fresh? I did. <laughs> I did watch part one. Okay. Sonia? Yes, yes, I did. Yes. Oh, great. I I didn't know if maybe we'd have like a total noob, which could also be fun, but I'm so glad that you're up to date with Beyond Good and Evil. Just as a little bit of background, one of the reasons that this episode is such a kitchen sink episode in terms of people and events is because it was originally supposed to be the series finale. And what they were going to do was they were going to move out some of the X-Men who we know and love from X-Men, the animated series, onto bigger and better things and introduce a new X team with characters like Angel, who we've already seen, as well as Psylocke, who we're going to meet today. And what ended up happening is after they had written this, then they got renewed for like 10 more episodes. And they were like, you can't move in a new team. It has to be the same team. So this is them trying to keep the same story with a different ending. And so that's why it just seems like it's everything because it was it was originally supposed to be. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. There's a lot happening in this. I uh-huh. I, feel, I feel like as a kid, especially with one week between these episodes, there's no way that I I would have gotten any of it. Right. It it bears multiple viewings. I also feel like it's a great example of what kind of 90s excess it makes me think of. And Sonia, I don't know. You've probably read. Uh, Executioner's Song, which was a big, I think, like early 90s X-Men crossover. And it was every team, tons of time travel. Apocalypse was a part of it. Sinister was a part of it. Cable's Clone Strife was a part of it. Anyway, it was just so, it was so dense. And I feel like they're trying to distill it in these episodes. But I'm uh, I'm here for it. And there's some good lines. And we'll get to it. So, And it's a very good sequence. Right? Yeah, I think so too. So we start with Previously on X-Men. Thank God. I'm so (laughs) glad they've gone back to Previously on X-Men. They kind of shelved that segment uh, for a lot of season four, and either because they didn't need it, because they were a lot of standalone episodes, or Eric Leewald, the showrunner, mentioned that once it went to like DVD, not everything had its stuff. But this one, you need it, because so (laughs) much happens in just like minutes. So we get a quick recap so in beyond good and evil part one we see that our one of our time traveling future friends from the far future through 3999 ad cable and his crew the clan chosen they're attacking apocalypse in in apocalypse's pyramid and he's as cable says forcing life through those decaying veins of his but hey everybody their attack was foreseen and he gets a passport to the dimension of time by stealing cable's time traveling device now that would be enough of a previously on x-men but we have a lot more to get through Um, (laughs) our other favorite time traveler from nearer in the future bishop is trapped at the axis of time with bender which is a who is a kind of poor man's robin williams or jim carrey uh hard to say (laughs) neither particularly he's not particularly effective as either of them just sort of obnoxious also, Cyclops and Jean Grey got married for real this time. You might remember they got married in season two, but because the priest was morph, it did not stick. Although we found out that <laughs> in certain states in the United States, if you believe you got married, you did get married. So uh, I understand that. I forget which state it was. Is it Montana or, or Missouri? It was an M state. Uh, but apparently couples have gotten married by the stuffed cocaine bear. So uh, if you live in such a state, it wouldn't matter if Morph was your 
officiant, but for Cyclops and Gina did. So they get married. Jean has like an awful wedding hat. Uh, they also have like a weird, <laughs> like their first wedding, the wedding color was like purple, which I loved. It was like kind of this vibrant purple. And this time it's salmon and it's not as good. But it is good because they really get married. It's also bad because they're attacked again, this time by Sinister and his nasty boys, plus Vertigo picked up from the Savage Land. Also, we're still in previously on X-Men Friends. <laughs> also, oh. Bishop's sister Shard arrives from the future to fight Sinister in the now. Sinister kidnaps Jean and she's also at the axis of time trapped in like a tube and Apocalypse is the mastermind behind it all. Blah, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Did I miss anything from Beyond Good and Evil Part 1 that you'd like to highlight? I don't think so. There was one thing that that I would like to highlight yeah, from Beyond please. Good and Evil Part 1, which is, okay, this answered a question that I had been wondering for a while, right? There were, there were like, non-X-Men at the X-Men wedding. Mm-hmm. So do they have, like, friends? Are there people who are like, this is my friend and Storm? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great question. I, I have multiple theories, <laughs> which I'll share with you. One is we know that Jean has a human family because we saw them during the Dark Phoenix saga. So she at least has family, and maybe they have family and friends. If anybody has friends outside the X-Men, it's Jean. Cyclops definitely 100% doesn't, except for that one woman who tried to get with him when he went back to the orphanage. Oh, yeah. He has no friends, and he doesn't even know that Alex is his brother right now. So he ain't got nobody. I also think that either some of them are like the professor's friends, like we're having a big party at my school, please come. Or he's like, this needs to look like a real wedding. And so I like use my mind to get some people to come. Maybe they're like school donors. I I don't know. Sonia, do you have thoughts on this? Who could those people be? I, I, think, yeah, I think you're right on the money that they, they must have been school donors or something like that. Um, I feel like mutants can have regular human friends too, you know. Um, yeah. So we did. maybe they were they were sympathizers too. Maybe they were allies. You know, who knows. I, man, I hope so. They yeah. need some allies. And also, that reminds me, I, this came up, I'm not sure if it was in ours or a different uh, recording, but we talked about how we wonder if the rest of the school for gifted youngsters is, like, normal. Like, there's really a whole <laughs> oh, yeah. bunch of other yeah, people yeah, yeah. at the school. Maybe it's those people and their families. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think we did have this conversation where it was just, like, uh, gifted, but they were like a little bit on the richer side or something like that. Yeah, like they probably went to MIT. Like they probably like got into a really good school. They were like academically gifted, yeah. which the yeah. X Men are are probably not. Or like the idea that they have like mutations, but like not X mutations. It's like, yeah, I have web fingers. Yeah, come on in, kid. <laughs> so glad you're here. <laughs> I, oh, I do wanted to say I do wanted to mention mention and this is probably something mentioned in your previous podcast with this episode mm. but it really made me laugh out loud when I don't know if it wasn't in this episode but when Professor X tells Jubilee mm-hmm. to, get to get rid of, of them us. yeah <laughs> instead of get get these people out of here it's just like get rid of them. It Not only that, yeah. this is like another great example of the professor <laughs> asking the X-Men to do things he could easily do himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what would have made more sense is if the professor actually just like mildly suggested it's time to go home. Mm-hmm. Instead, he puts like a 14-year-old on the job and she's like, oh, I'll think of something, which is similar to like when they had to rescue Jubilee, I think from the like Cape Canaveral launch station at the beginning of the phoenix saga he sends storm to go get her storm blows in a window and like takes jubilee out like in a tornado when again the professor could have just like walked in there and like helped but i think he either he's like awesome at delegation and like in the corporate parlance is like i'm enabling you or he's a lazy mf'er well his to his um read or believe whatever he doesn't like entering people's minds that's what he says and i don't believe it one bit (laughs) yeah i think he just likes being asked 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like his moral high ground. He feels like so superior. But we're going to get later into an incident where the people are like, get in this guy. Oh, I think it's like, it's the next episode. Get into Sabretooth's mind. And he's like, I don't do that. And Cable's like, do it. And he's like, all right. <laughs> Oh, man. Let's get into this. Scene one. So much more is going to happen. We thought previously on X-Men was crowded. It is not, my friends. Let's roll. Scene one. At the Shi'ar Imperial Palace, presumably on the throne world of Shandalar, a a Shi'ar sentry sends up a warning that they're under attack by renegade ships. And the whole thing looks a lot like the Death Star trying to defend itself against the rebels, right? It's like a big kind of mechanical city and then guns come up from out of it to shoot to shoot yeah great description yeah and Deathbird, who we are meeting sort of for the second time here but really for the first time she is all excited about it she says and she's she looks so good i love Deathbird's costume she's got a pink headpiece not super dissimilar from the scarlet witch although kind of a uh, different shape she's got this like tight like magenta body armor that like totally shows off her cleavage. There's all these like mean looking tubes everywhere. And she's got big wings under her arms. Like she looks bad and I love it. Yeah. Why? There are a few characters that have tubes. Like Apocalypse has tubes under his arms, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, She has tubes under her arms. I don't know. And over her boobs. And over, do they like, am I missing do they know something I don't? Are tubes like great? I mean, maybe. maybe I feel they're like recycling new juices. I don't. <laughs> I feel like apocalypses make more sense, right? Because he's just yeah. he's like so ancient, and he's just like recycling life all the time. I don't know. I don't know what Deathbird's tubes do, but I like them. It's a strong. It's a strong choice. Strong choice. Strong choice. As as a little bit of background for anybody who doesn't know, Deathbird is the oldest child in the uh, royal Naramani family, uh, which is the Shi'ar royal family. So Diken was the Mad Emperor. He was deposed during the Phoenix Saga. Lilandra was the youngest. Uh, She's currently the Empress. Deathbird was their oldest sister who, and you'll notice that her name is different, right? So we've got Deken, we've got Lilandra, we've got Deathbird. And the reason is she was the oldest. She was supposed to inherit the throne. She committed some act of violence and she was expelled and stripped of her name. So now she is Deathbird. And a lot of what goes on for her in the comics is her trying to like stick it to Lilandra, although she seems to be on the side of the angels these days, and she and Bishop also banged once. So I don't know. Hmm. I like her a lot though. I think I think she's she's one of those great characters like Mystique, like whose side are you on? Yeah. That's also really interesting that like wait, wait she was not she what she didn't do the murder while Empress, she did it while being princess. Is that what it was? So then she got like out of the line of succession. Yeah, exactly. That's my understanding anyway. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Sorry, you've, you're getting grounded from being emperor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, you don't get it. You don't get it. So anyway, she is uh, so she she is so into this that she is uh, she believes she's leading this attack. One of the renegade ships crashes through the walls of the palace. Her troops, who are also wearing purple, which is how you can tell they're all on one side, they're inside. Uh, (laughs) Lalandra and one of her Imperial Guards people, the Telepath Oracle, are preparing for the worst. Enter Deathbird. And then, oh yeah, Drew, what were you going to say? I just, I really like this because the battle's been going on for maybe like five to 15 seconds. And then Oracle runs in and Mm -hmm. is like, we're getting attacked, and Lilandra's like, I already know. Thanks, <laughs> Oracle. Great job. It's like a, no <laughs> so we get some good sister, sister v. sister face-off. Uh, Lilandra says, sister, has your jealous ambition so blinded you? And Deathbird says, the throne should have been mine. Now it shall be. Then, as if that's not enough, not enough characters, not enough action. We're in the first two minutes. Who blasts through the floor (laughs) but Gladiator, uh, Praetor of the Imperial Guard? He busts up through the floor, and then Deathbird does something stupid. Like, she makes a command mistake, which she commands her goons to take on Gladiator, which is not smart. We know Gladiator almost took on the Phoenix. Like, her goons are not going to 
this this isn't mm. gonna work out he picks up the floor and waves it like a tablecloth and just like <laughs> knocks them out of the building yeah he made a shockwave he's wrecking the throne planet <laughs> He is 100% in protection of his Empress. So he grabs Deathbird, who she claims she won't harm the Empress, but says, I cannot speak for him. A portal lights up in the room. Apocalypse comes through it. He grabs Lalandra, and she is, can we talk about, Lalandra is always getting grabbed by giant dudes. It happened in (laughs) the Phoenix Saga. Juggernaut came in and, like, grabbed her, and now Apocalypse comes in. I mean, she just gets manhandled a lot for an empress. It must piss Gladiator off a lot, because that's, like, his job to stop that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, honestly, he's, like, a pretty good guard. Like, he seems much better than the rest of the entire army. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also a few of the X-Men, if we're really honest. Like, yeah. uh, no, Gladiator is kind of effective most of the time. I have him, I have him as maybe a pick for MVP of this episode, honestly. Excellent. No, keep that in mind, friends. Keep that in mind. Was Gladiator MVP? I mean, he's MVP of a lot of our hearts, I think. <laughs> most valuable Praetorian guard. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> he, so he says, what manner of being is this? Uh, Deathbird's like, get rid of her apocalypse as you promised. And then, double cross, apocalypse drops Lalandra and picks up Oracle. And th- I know, Sonia just like gave a big gasp, right? Were you were you surprised, Sonia? I was. I was just like, oh um, no. You know who was also surprised but really shouldn't have been? Oracle. Deathbird? Oh yeah, Oracle. <laughs> yeah. I think the death comes up later, doesn't it? <laughs> What's her? I think she's faking it. That's what I think is happening. I think she's like, yeah, no, I see that you're going to hire me in the future. And the Empress is like, wow, what a coincidence. I will hire you. And she's like, she's just, she's like bootstrapped her way into this position through being a charlatan. Do you think that Oracle, like, while Apocalypse Groot was grabbing her, was like, oh, no, don't grab me. I'm so shocked and surprised. It's so wrong. Like, I think she was. Oh, no, not a big, strong man. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I hate I hate this. Um, Although this brings up a very important point, which is that they keep referring to them as psychics when they're Mm -hmm. actually telepaths. And like psychic often like straddles that line between telepath and clairvoyant when really none of these people are clairvoyant. (laughs) They They can just read minds. Although, shouldn't, but to your point, Drew, she should have been able to read Apocalypse's mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, thank you. That was a question that I had about what a psychic was. I yeah. thought that it was maybe a mutant whose energy rays are um, either white or rainbow. I thought that might be the definition yeah. of what a psychic is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really uh, fair guess. And yeah, one of the things I've noticed in this series is that they do use the term psychic uh instead of telepath often. Mm. And they also use it for Jean in describing her telekinesis. They refer to it as psychokinesis. And I don't know if maybe it's because they thought that it would be a more digestible term to kids or kind of what the deal was. I'll have to keep reading the book by the showrunner and see if he answers this mystery. Maybe (laughs) a cool 90s term and, you know, the lingo of the day or the lexicon of the day was... uh, Psych, uh, like psych, yeah, because yeah. you know, um, I think what was her name? I forgot her name. Uh, you know, the dial in psychic, oh, Lady Cleo or Miss Cleo, yeah, Miss Cleo was really popular in the 90s, she so was. she was everywhere, so maybe that was the buzzword, and that's what the reason why they just used that word. You may be right, there's a great Miss Cleo documentary, I think. It's oh, I saw Cleo, it, friends. Yeah. Oh, it's really good, it's really <laughs> good. I, I love it, I love it. Um, do you do you remember Miss Cleo, Drew? I do remember Miss Cleo. Yeah, I totally remember the commercials. Um, yeah, it was like the the it, psychic was a big thing. It was like mm-hmm. psychic type Pokemon was a thing, right? Like, and I feel it was all like about like the power of your mind. It, it kind of it, it it could be like telepathy. It could be telekinesis. It could be clairvoyance. It could be seeing the future. It could be mind control. Like it could be mm-hmm. any of these like unrelated skills, right? Uh, as long as I, I, I think the thing that they have in common is that none of them have like visible effects. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's all like 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 mind mind stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can I bring up something? Yes, uh, you can. I invited you here to bring yeah. up something, so I feel, do it. Drew, Drew, I love that joke. Uh, or, or wait, 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 it was Sarah. Sarah, I, I, Sarah, I like that. Or who was it that brought up the joke that they should have known it was coming? I forget oh, Drew, who. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think Cable made the same joke. And then Storm was just like, that's not funny. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's one of the best lines in here. It's Gambit, actually. Oh, was Gambit that said that? Okay. Yeah. And Storm says, that is not funny, Gambit. And uh, oh, okay. it's one okay, of it my Gambit. Sorry. Favorite it was, I, I, I think it's because I saw the, the first episode and I had to see the series through. So I saw the fourth episode as well. So I, I think maybe Ooh. this is the fourth one. I don't know. Spoiler alert! Sorry! Oh no, it's in this episode. Don't worry. It's like three three scenes away. Don't worry. We're going to get there. Before that, though, there's an awesome moment when Deathbird still hasn't put it together. And she's like yelling at Apocalypse, (laughs) not her, the Empress. You promised to destroy Lalandra. And Apocalypse just goes, I lied. That made me laugh and cackle so much. He just goes back in the portal. <laughs> yeah. yeah he just leaves I, through the portal. That's all that happens. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if you're doing something illegal, you it, it actually is like, in, and you're doing it at a high scale, it's actually important to keep your word. Like, I feel like the mafia, they're not known for lying. They're just known for doing illegal things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a big deal because, like, you're all in it together, like, against the world. Yeah. If you double right? cross and, internally, you're going to get whacked. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what's Apocalypse doing? He's like, I'm double crossing for fun. Like, he could have killed Lalandra. Yep. And he should have. That would have been the right thing to do, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your commitments. That's, that's yeah. what we're yep. talking about. Yep. Yeah. Scene two. In the wreckage of the X-Mansion, Professor X and Cyclops agree that it's weird that Sinister only took Jean and not Cyclops. And I think that Cyclops was a little disappointed because Sinister has always been super obsessed with them both. He wants them to, like, bang and make, like, genetically superior mutant babies or something? Is that right? Basically. But, like, I think... Let me put it this way. I feel like it's Sinister who wants to bang them. Do you get what I mean? Like, he wants he wants to be yeah. the one to combine their genetic material. I, that totally... That that reads. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense to like me. He wants to yeah. be the one to do it. But whenever they do have children, which we are going to talk about as a part of this, because... Spoiler alert, Drew. Cable is their son, yep. uh, genetically. And uh, anyway, I know it doesn't come up. Maybe it will in the last episode. I, Sonia knows. I haven't rewatched the last episode yet. But um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so even, yeah. But he actually funny. made that happen, right? Sinister made that happen because after Gene died, then he grew the clone, and everyone's like, "That's Madeline fine." Pryor. Yeah, Madeline Pryor. Yeah. And then, th- then they had Baby Cable. Uh, yeah, we'll I think it. his name was Nathan. I don't know. Nathan yeah. Dayspring Summers or Nathan Christopher Summers. Oh, was it was that Cable? Yeah. yeah, yeah. My, like mine is my because I'm very old and I don't remember a lot of stuff. It's just coming back to me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I don't know why. Who is Rachel Summers and Franklin Reed's son? I I thought they they got together. Oh, good. I question. thought that they got together, and that's how Cable. I don't know. Again. I'm trying to remember like years and years and years of comic book stuff that happened like so long ago. I haven't had a refresher or anything like that. So I've got to look that up. Okay. I remember, yeah, I, I thought they had a relationship. They and do they in Days of Future Past. Uh, in Days of Future Past, Jonathan Reed Richards is also the son of Rachel Summers and Franklin Richards. Um, oh. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's that. But right now yeah. in the comics, Rachel's a grown lady lesbian, and maybe she's bi. I don't know. She's had a number of of male male suitors, but I don't know. As like as currently? time goes on, currently, yeah. Oh, okay. And um, she and Psylocke are in a relationship, Ooh. and uh, Franklin Richards is like like ten. So <laughs> that's not going to work out right now. No. Okay, let's get back to it. So, uh, for I, I could go down this rabbit hole because I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> Professor X gets a psychic communication from Lalandra. Apparently, they are still on the outs. Remember, they were kind of they were soulmates during the Phoenix Saga, and then 
they broke up hard as a result of the Dark Phoenix saga, but she still clearly thinks about him. She says, I bring you a warning, Charles Xavier. An Earth creature, Apocalypse, has taken one of my psychics named Oracle. And then Cyclops is basically like, what did she say? <laughs> <laughs> and then, so wait. Yeah. Oh, wait, so just to be clear, so Lalandra is a psychic after all? No. She isn't. She, she and the professor have a special bond. He's a psychic, or he's a telepath. Is she just counting on him always listening to her mind a little bit? No, I think like they're kind of connected by like a mental tether. It's I don't think he, or something like that. Yeah, I don't think it's on all the time. Oh, can that happen to you if you have unprotected sex? Is that? Is it? This, is this an accidental thing? I don't want this to happen to me. This seems no, really no, like... no, it happened definitely without sex because she was still in her bug armor on her ship light years away. And he was definitely in his bed and they were not physically together. Uh, they were, but they, she was in his dreams. Oh God. Okay. Well, I hope I don't dream <laughs> of anyone. I don't want this to happen. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then you're gonna you're gonna be tethered mentally tethered for life with. But the idea is that it would be with like the alien of your dreams. Okay, well I could deal with that. Okay, so okay. Cyclops is like, "What did she say?" Professor X doesn't answer the question. He just says, "Assemble the X Men." Okay, <laughs> scene change. This is just like honestly like narrative whiplash, right? So suddenly we're at the axis of time. Mister Sinister is walking these like Escher stairs on this weird planetoid in the middle, and yeah. Bride Jean is trapped in a tube, and she's like, "Sinister, why are you helping Apocalypse?" Which really is a valid question. Like we have haven't known them to be affiliated before although in the comics we find out they've been affiliated for a long time okay okay uh sinister says he can give me what i've always wanted a chance to create a new breed of human beings one that i will personally select and genetically engineer so back to your question drew sinister wants to bang them together like like action figures and okay. make, make the babies he wants you know, Got it. I don't know if this was referenced in any of the of your other previous um, podcasts, Sarah, but <sighs> Sinister's stylist. I have questions because <laughs> even, right? even in the nineties, I was just like, mm, "Where is your influence from?" I was just like, mm, you know, I yeah, I, I find I I still find him frightening to look at. Yeah, he's scary. He's he really scary to look at. Weird. It's really scary. It's like it's like this. You know, like the um, from like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Yeah. It, he's like that, but like like maybe three times as scary. Like it's I don't know if that makes does that does that does everyone did anyone agree with that? Oh yeah, Tim, a young Tim Curry would be the right person to play Mister Sinister, and I think it's also the filed teeth. Like whenever yeah. I have like filed like, pointy teeth, so that's gross. upsetting. And the like the metal in his voice yeah. is weird. But yeah. what's interesting is in the recent comics, he has gotten significantly more flam- like flamboyant and more into his capes and more into his boots. So previously he was just sort of an eccentric geneticist, but he is owning his fashion right now. Okay. (laughs) I know unexpected, right? So, uh, yeah. So Gene points out that it will take generations for Sinister to get his, his babies. And he's like, I'm at the axis of time. Like, I got time. And uh, then later we get some exposition. The axis of time is where all times cross. It is the temporal control center of existence. And Apocalypse has spent centuries, like, sussing out its powers. And he plans for Jean to stay there forever. Great. He laughs. Okay, yeah. Also, did you notice how all the tubes are, like, at a 15-degree angle? Yeah, they are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. they're they're definitely like that was that was a choice that was definitely a choice yeah it's like it's like you can't really get psychics that are too tall or they won't be able to stand up in there or have to get pre-slanted psychics like once you just naturally are at a slanted slant. angle do you think yeah. he's gonna like engineer them to slant like in the next that's generation a, oh that's such a yes i do think that Mm-hmm. Also, it's it's interesting that the axis of time, the way it's animated, is like it's like part Rainbow Road, mm-hmm. and then it's like part like this like 
I don't know, it's like a medieval Italianate village as drawn by M.C. Escher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? It's Plus, like, oh. Like screens and like public transportation or an arena. Yeah. Like, right, yeah, yeah. it's just some screens where like Bender's like, look at this thing that's happening right now. By the way, did anyone else feel like what's his face bender the guy who's trapped there and just like watching these screens go by did anyone else just like he, he's he's redheaded he has facial hair mm-hmm. and like i don't know i saw him and i was like that was me during covid oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's been there a thousand years trapped inside watching tv he's deranged he got a visitor he's like what visitor is this <laughs> 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 oh true i hope you wore like a one-piece jumpsuit as well yeah i did when i wore clothes <laughs> <laughs> do you think bender got dressed for this like he saw a bishop and is like oh <laughs> visitors come to call i'm gonna wear clothes now <laughs> company's going <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Speaking all right of, Mm-hmm. Not far away, Bishop and his big gun are like super useless. They are on the Rainbow Road heading seemingly nowhere. I guess he's heading towards the Escher planetoid that's in the middle. I have to say, hotness alert for Bishop. I had mm. the hugest crush on Bishop. Oh my God. He was oh, I love so freaking hot. Ah! <laughs> uh- Seconded, yeah, he's he, he's the buffest of the X Men, I think. Oh yeah, like he's huge. He's he's huge in in height, and then he works out harder than anyone else at the gym. And he's just like he's absolutely enormous in all the places, not even the right places, just all the places. All of them, yeah. His thighs <laughs> are something. Also, I, I I agree. Once once he once he shortened his hair, I'm not like because he you know he sort of had the the '90s mullet, which I did not love. But once once he got all clean cut, I'm 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 in that basket with you all. Agree? Oh yeah. <laughs> Also, he's like, like long hair, though. I did, I did like you. You dug the long hair? No, I and did. I mean that's it's a it's a choice, right? Yeah, like, it is that's a choice. A look. And I was just like, mm, I like it. Mm. Yep. Well, it is curly, and curls are nice. Yep. Touch. I like yeah, this nice curly. to touch. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. We'll get more of Bishop later. Uh, at oh, the X Mansion. Yeah, I know. Sony's like waiting for it. Uh, at the X Mansion, the professor fills in the X Men and Shard. He's put it together that Apocalypse and Sinister are trying to collect psychics or telepaths. Uh, we definitely know that Sinister tried to manhandle him through a portal in the last episode, but he was saved by Road. We get it. I feel like every time Gambit is in this, in like either of these episodes, I'm like, I forgot about you. Like, I forgot that you were there. Gambit was my major middle school crush and he says sounds like sinister and apocalypse are working the same side of the street and it's like yep that that that's correct that's correct so the plan wait he said working the same side of the street yes oh does that does that, does that read to you sonia like mm. prostitutes as well uh, yes! <laughs> yeah, okay. yes! wow oh my god mm. Not oh my god work, gambit but if we've learned anything about who's not safe for work in the x-men it is gambit <laughs> i always think about that line i don't know uh if you guys were out here but like when he uh he's trying he's trying to take jubilee to like a broadway show but he like hits on this woman in front of them and lied and jubilee's like hey you know you said you take me to this broadway show and gambit's like but it's gonna end petite but gambit still be going <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah gambit gambit says this stuff he's All so right. naughty it's very naughty very naughty so we find out the plan is for them to use cerebro to locate any other psychics or telepaths on earth and uh basically like be ready for when apocalypse and sinister try and snatch them and storm is like real mad and she's like you cannot use them as bait but they're uh, but uh cyclops and professor x overrule her they're like yeah we can <laughs> and then we get that moment where gambit says hey if they be psychic they already know right and he's like real pleased with himself. Like the animators like went in big on like rendering that smile and we get Storm. That is not funny, Gambit. But it is. It is funny. 
And he, oh, um, also, did you guys yeah. notice that Rogue had like an incredible booty shot in that scene? They did oh, yeah. like, like the camera, like, like. I forgot about it until you just mentioned group. it, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, oh, the camera this is... angle panned around. It's just like, but yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. They haven't been shy about Rogue butt in the animation. I just hadn't seen it in a while. That is very funny. Oh my gosh, I forgot about I... it until just now. Yeah, I didn't write it in my notes, but I do. I didn't even remember whose butt it was, but I do remember being like, "Whoa!" Mm -hmm. <laughs> For like one moment in this episode. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Um, okay, so uh, after they make this plan, is that when they go to Castle Worthington in England? Yeah, so they go to Castle Worthington in England, which FYI is like not a thing. Like Warren Worthington's like obviously his roots go back to England, but him having a castle isn't like uh, isn't canon. But anyway, we get big dramatic music. He's got a castle and uh, a ninja with purple hair is a uh, Okay, and she's wearing a mask, and she's got a ninja outfit. She's scaling the cliffs, and because she's got that dark purple hair, we know it is Bessie Braddock, a.k.a. Psylocke, making her debut in X-Men, the animated series. Sonia, I see you nodding your head. Did you let, were you a Psylocke fan? I was, but not of this one. No, I agree. No, I was I, mad about certain things about her. Were you mad that she didn't have an English accent? Yes! <laughs> I know, me too. Me too. That was like the whole bit. So as a little bit of background, and Drew will bring you up to date, when uh, I think it was maybe the early 80s when the X-Men were living in the outback in Australia, they brought on a telepath, Betsy Braddock, a.k.a. Psylocke. And she was also like a model, and she had this like light lavender hair. She had this pink outfit, and her telepathic powers made like a butterfly over her face. And she, uh, she's the twin sister, fraternal twin sister of Brian Braddock, a.k.a. Captain Britain, as well as the insane Jamie Braddock, who is their older brother, sometime mischief maker. But like Braddock Manor is totally a place, unlike uh, Castle Worthington. And she and the Japanese assassin Quanon got sucked into the Siege Perilous Crystal and right. their minds got swapped. So English Bessie Braddock got into Japanese Quanon's body. Japanese Quanon got into English Bessie Braddock's body. So that's when she became this version of Psylocke where she is Japanese. She's got the beautiful shiny hair and, you know, is, is a ninja. And unfortunately... Quanon in Bessie Braddock's body contracted the legacy virus released by Cable's evil clone Strife, who was supposed to be a host for Apocalypse in the uh, Executioner song crossover. She is infected with the legacy virus and she dies. And uh, as a result, Bessie Braddock is the last surviving person. She's in Quanon's body. Most recently, they got separated again because of mutant uh, resurrection. But anyway, that's a little history. And thank you for letting me be a nerd for a couple minutes. And now Yay! we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program. Thank you for explaining it. I understood 100%. Yeah! Oh, man, mission accomplished. Thanks, friend. So uh, Psylocke is climbing the cliffs Outside Castle Worthington, a dog is alerted, but she uses her psychic knife to put him to sleep. It, like, comes out of the back of her hand. Okay, okay. Thing about that. Sorry. So, mm. okay. Did she kill that fucking dog? Sorry. Because, okay, one, I, no. I don't take kindly to that. And then two, um, oh, she didn't? Okay. But it was also chained no, up didn't. on, like, a six-foot leash. Like, I don't know what she was. She was like, oh, like, it seemed like it was for pleasure. Oh, that's possible. Like, I don't, I mean, to Sonia's point, this is not, like, the best version of her, and she seems kind of mean. Yeah. 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 Um, Sonia, so she puts the doggy to sleep, which to is... To sleep. Which is I, apparently not a euphemism. You claim? No, no, the dog's okay, because remember, she does it then later to people, and they're okay. Okay, okay, got it. Well, in the next shot, then, when Archangel, who I guess is perched on the top of the tower, right, he flies down and he checks on the dog, yes. it kind of looked like the dog wasn't breathing to me. Oh, no. Dear animators, please <laughs> clarify. <laughs> I sincerely, no, I think Warren Worthington would have been way more upset if Psylocke killed his dog. Like, okay, yeah. And we okay, noticed, I buy that. Yeah, and we also noticed that. So yeah, it's like it's it's this cool '90s 
angel archangel hybrid right so he's got the blue skin from when he was archangel but he's returned and he's got the archangel wings but he's returned to his angel costume he's still going by archangel i believe at this point uh he has blonde hair he's got his blonde hair and actually so uh, this should be right around the time when in the comics he and psylocke are falling in love and one of the and i loved them as a couple because they were both so cold and jaded and they were both like in different bodies that they then like they originally originally started and i'm like i can see why you guys you guys have a lot in common and you're both like rich also you're like yeah rich people in other people's bodies like your bodies have been violated and but they're both really hot and i just want the best for you <laughs> i i kind of wanted them to get together i was like ooh, right? what a good match they seem like yeah they they are a good a good match let's see so Zalak makes her way inside she does not have an english accent poor no poor choice poor choice she says i should have brought a shopping cart and she's never been a thief which is weird uh she has been a ninja she has been an assassin Quanon was an assassin but she's never been a thief and i wrote in my notes sorry teeth because of gambit uh whatever he's like it's like you made me a teeth um so anyway <laughs> thief or teeth whatever that's hilarious teeth and and apparently Warren just has like a discus from the first Olympic Games and he tries to like chat her up. He's like a ninja sports fan. Is this uh, and he's about to tell her about his baseball card collection and then she does a flying kick to his chest. So that's quite an introduction. Is that not how straight people meet each other? <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, it's a good it's a good question. Some do. I mean, yeah. Okay. Here, here to learn. Just ask some questions. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, he flies at her and blasts through a wall. So he's like, he like blasts through his own castle wall, which I was like, is that for fun? Uh, it's a rental castle. Yeah, yes, and uh, Airbnb castle. He doesn't care. <laughs> She does all kinds of ninja acrobatics, and then she pulls off her black robe so we can see her badass 90s costume, which is like, <laughs> has like a thong and all these like bands of fabric. And then <laughs> he says, I wonder what she looks like under that mask. And based on that costume, I don't think he meant mask. <laughs> such a good point she does and and then like at one point she's like they're like chasing each other and she's doing flips when running would do just fine and he goes agile like he loves it yeah it's like ooh, ooh." he likes what's happening it's not every day a sexy ninja thief breaks into his castle like and although like him being on the rooftop like as his own gargoyle makes me think he's been waiting for this yeah 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 that's true he's like most thieves i don't even want to fuck <laughs> this one though different <laughs> yeah. um have you know did you notice that he she said like oh it, like or you may have already mentioned a, a discus from the first olympic games she mm-hmm. like picks it up and looks at it but it's very clearly a dinner plate <laughs> it is that's <laughs> correct they had a time on the, no details in the animation no do you remember though uh, production in these days how like collectors plates were still being advertised in like magazines and stuff that you could order special collectors plates for like anything for like world war ii for like the queen's (laughs) jubilee for you know whatever you could like order plates and that is what that looked like could you imagine eating plates on plates every day and being like Yes, my mother is the kind of person that thought that the Queen's, like, 45th anniversary of being Queen was important enough to buy all our dinnerware forever on. Like, being like, wow, I really need to get a hold of my mom's finances when I'm an adult. Like, <laughs> My grandma uh, collected bells. Like, she was one of those people who, like, Aww, went so to cute. different places and collected collected Aww. bells. And, and you know who I haven't met, but I know they're out there, the Spoon Collectors. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Psylocke jumps off a cliff. It looks like she's going to die, and she looks real worried for half a second. But Archangel saves her, and he's like, are you all right? And she gets all flirty, like, thanks to you. But then she, like, knifes him in the head. 
Oh man, Warren, <laughs> you got taken in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I noticed that she didn't knife him too hard, because then, like, he catches up to her not that long, like in a like a scene or two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, he's, she went, she treated him gently. Yeah. It's like chase she, me, chase me. Yeah, she's like, me. ooh, I like blue you. man I, with wings. I think that he, I for me, I think Archangel might be the most attractive of the characters in X Men. Oh, okay. He's a good looking dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he almost had Jean's heart in the original, like, five X-Men before she chose Cyclops, so. Oh. Yep. Yep. Okay. Got it. I think that's yes. mutant powers. Mutant powers to actually look like an angel. Like, yeah, not just a bird or a guy that has wings, but actually look, like, even big oh, yeah. features. And, a, like, that's that was his genetic. It could be also pheromones or something like that. I don't know. They never said that. They never said this mm-hmm. is his power. But he does have this air of attractiveness about him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he is a millionaire playboy, so there's there's and that, that there's that there's the uh, cha-ching factor as well. <laughs> and I think it was like the late '90s, maybe when um they, they he was having like his wings were like not working the way they were supposed to, and he molted like he molted off his metal wings and he got his feather wings back. It was super cool. Um, oh wow! Yeah, but I love I love the archangel look. Like those wings are badass. Anyway, to London in the next scene. Wait a minute. So, I, do yeah. want to, I do want to make one thing. Uh, yeah, do it. Uh, I, I do want to say that even though I didn't like uh, the fact that, you know, Asylum didn't have uh, an English accent or anything like that, I do like that she got into a car and it was an English car. Because the oh, sa- driver's yeah. side, she sat, she was sat in the proper driver's side of an English car. So, okay. Yeah. Kudos to that. Did you notice what the license plate is? No, what was it? It's THX1138. <gasps> no way! Yes! Love it. Wait, actually, oh, wait, you, oh, wait, I didn't know what that was. I Googled it because I was like, I bet there's an Easter egg here. Could you tell me, actually? It was the one of the first films that George Lucas made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got, okay. So, yeah, that's the, yes, okay, that's, and apparently it's used in, like, a bunch of other things than like the star wars universe or other things like 1138 is like a reference or something what was that sonia i'm sorry sorry (laughs) for sound i think thx oh yeah for sound yeah so that's a great easter egg i'm so glad you caught that drew thank you um so shard and wolverine right there on the london bridge i think and i london bridge with binoculars and I have a line written down, which is Shard goes like because they're they're looking for what like Psylocke, and she goes, I think Cerebro got its zip code scrambled, and then Wolverine goes, you uh, you know Cerebro don't make mistakes. So a few things about that. One, I just I I looked up what the postal code for the Tower Bridge in London is, and it's SE one. So I think it's unlikely that Cerebro scrambled that. Mm-hmm. It is three digits, and also. The British don't have zip code. Second thing, you know, Cerebro don't make mistakes. Is is this validated by the facts? Discuss. Yes, they, there's been no evidence of Cerebro. Actually, Cerebro hasn't given bad data. I think like Cerebro hasn't been compromised mm. in this in X Men the animated series. Oh, great. It's compromised a lot in the comics, but in X Men the animated series, it, it is a reliable resource oh well good to know okay um did you great well i guess wolverine don't make mistakes wolverine doesn't have good grammar so did you notice that he says they're waiting on a beautiful black-haired mutant psychic and that warren in the next scene refers to her as raven-haired and like no man like it's purple her hair is purple Wait, is her pair literally purple, or are they doing that, like, thing where they're, like, sometimes they'll make, like, someone who has black hair, they'll give them blue hair mm-hmm. as, like, an artistic effect? Is it is it that, or, or does she lit- have literally purple hair? She's supposed to have purple hair. Yeah, I think, you know, Drew, I think it's a good point, and I would be curious if anyone knows the history of that, because I feel like maybe at the beginning... <laughs> 
it was supposed to be black, but I don't think so because I think that when Quanan, whose body that is, first showed up, she was there with I think Matsuo, her like lover handler, who's also Japanese, and his hair was black. Like his hair was not also purple. Oh, okay. Well, that that's a really good point then. Um, that's okay. my limited understanding, but I think I think like I sort of feel like they tried to retcon it within the episode. Like, no, no, that's black. That's black. kids it's black no it's not uh anyway to your point drew warren worthington wakes up in time to see silac leaving in her english jeep with his stuff and he follows her back to london shard and wolverine are on the case silac pulls into some warehouse warehouse storage unit and wolverine dives off the london bridge into the thames and thank god he has a healing factor because i gotta think the thames is like the hudson river where you're like that's gross. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He comes out, he's like, I have the plague. <laughs> and Shard says, not bad for a hairy old man. So he gets a few yeah. props. Uh, yeah, and then we get some, like, sh- so Shards from the future, we get a little history from her. Archangel destined to join the X-Men. But whose side is he on now? And then she calls it into the Professor, and he calls it into Gambit and Storm. So therefore, we know that we'll see Gambit and Storm later. In the storage unit, Archangel and Psylocke are facing off. She calls him out for brooding over his own troubles when he could be using all he has for so much more. And he calls her out on what she's doing with all the artifacts. And she's like, it's for my brother who fights for the good of mutants, all mutants. And I'm like, what brother? Because she has Yeah, two what brother? Because like, she's got two brothers and neither of those brothers are big like mutant activists. Oh. One's nuts. And one is Captain Britain. And I guess it has to be Captain Britain, but I have questions about that. Yeah. Either way, I thought it was hot banter. They were like going mm. back and forth, lightly criticizing each other, but in a fun way. Yeah, it's not this isn't about brothers at all. This is this is about banging. Fair enough. <laughs> there could be a, another brother that we don't know about. Secret Braddock brother, just like yes. there's a secret, a secret Braddock brother. brother. Yep. Or it could be that one of the brothers just like on the Christmas letter embellished what he was up to. He's like, yeah, no, Ben, like, it's like he, you know, uh, he helped a mutant across the street and he's like, helping all mutant kind this year. That's what I did. Guys, I've gotten super into mutant activism. I got a pin. Cool. (laughs) I I feel like that's rude. We we should let Brian, Jamie, or the secret Braddock brother defend himself. Maybe. He is doing good work. Okay. So uh, fight, fight, fight. But then Claws slice through the door. I love that Archangel is just like Wolverine, but Sabretooth is like, guess again. And then Mystique <laughs> is there also. And she says, you I, get the woman, Sabretooth. I'll deal with the winged wonder. Now, oh, at man. this point, I was like, what exactly do you think you're going to do here, Mystique? Your power is to change what you look like. And you've already come in looking like yourself. And then she just shoots him. And I was like, oh, okay. That's a good answer. (laughs) As you were. (laughs) Mystique, yeah. Yeah. What Bishop and Cable are to the large gun, Mystique is to the small gun. Like, that's Uh, part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I also just want to pause real quick and talk about that we get a Psylocke versus Sabretooth fight, which was a big deal in the 90s. So uh, in the 90s, they kept, oh, after, okay, after uh, Wolverine, so you know how Wolverine always, like, when he's threatening someone, he, like, takes out, like, two of it, like, he puts his fist under their chin, and then the two claws on the end come out, and he's like, you know, do you want me to pop that last one? And then they're all scared. He actually does pop the last one on Sabretooth, right before it goes into the Age of Apocalypse storyline. And because of that, the X-Men bring Sabretooth back to the X-Mansion to rehabilitate. And uh, similar to his taking in of Jubilee in the first season, he takes in the Jubilee equivalent on X-Force, whose name is Boom Boom 
Boom, a.k.a. Boomer, a.k.a. Meltdown, who is now Boom Boom again. And uh, she takes him in. She He gets her to um, take off his restraints, and he just eviscerates Psylocke. Psylocke is the only, like, capable X-Man in the house when this happens. And so, like, say there's, like, it's an incredible issue, and, and at the end, he basically just, like, rips out her guts and goes on a rampage through New York City. So Psylocke v. Sabretooth in the 90s is, like, a, a moment. Oh my god. I know. That's a big one. And then Wolverine and Archangel go to the land of the Crimson Dawn to get this elixir to save her life, and they give it to her, and then she gets an eye tattoo. All right, that's how they <laughs> Okay. Uh Wolverine and Shard enter. There's like maximum property damage, and Wolverine like has a quip, of course. I sure hope this stuff is insured. And then we get the fight we always love, Wolverine v. Sabretooth. And uh, Sabretooth is about ki- to kill Wolverine when uh, Psylocke uses her psychic knife from a distance, which is weird. Oh, okay. What is her power? She's a telepath, but she also, like, she's a telepath, so she can do some of the, some of the stuff that Jean can do, but her, like, the totality, I remember this from, like, the, uh, like, the comic, uh, like, captions, is the totality of her psychic powers is manifested in her psychic knife, which can basically, like she can stick it in somebody's head and cause a lot of damage. Oh. Like, like if you'll excuse the term full ment- full penetration, like full <laughs> mental, full frontal mental, full mental alchemist. Yeah, exactly. Full mental alchemist <laughs> is exactly. Um, yeah. And so she takes down Sabretooth who falls unconscious on top of Wolverine. And it was hot. Like, Oh man, brush sometimes, will ya? <laughs> I was into it, Drew. I don't know. I was into it. I I was into it because they weren't into it. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so you notice that in this fight, they're fighting and there are like crates all around, and the crates are labeled Ming vases, which I think is really funny because they could have just also animated Ming vases. They're not harder to draw. Um, <laughs> Fair. Fair. And then, yeah, Mystique uh, came in with Shard, and she, but she's immediately busted by a telepath and Wolverine's like nose, and uh, then enter Magneto. What? We've <laughs> gone through this whole complicated thing. He says to Psylocke, "How about a lift?" And uh, yeah, he uses these like metal bands from a convenient nearby barrel to restrain her. And then he delivers her to Apocalypse. And we find out that uh, he has been promised by Apocalypse the resurrection of his wife, Magda, which we covered in the Family Ties episode earlier this season. So uh, I do love the Apocalypse line. Your lack of sentimentality is refreshing. (laughs) Yeah, it really it really let me like get inside of Apocalypse's mind. I mean, Apocalypse's mind. Like I, I felt like I knew his motivations. <laughs> what? Oh, oh I. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I sometimes accidentally call him a paralypse in my mind, just because of the way oh, he yeah, looks. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. His, his paralypse are. I knew you were making a pun, but like I didn't catch it. So thank you. Yeah. He is. He's got a prominent par purple paralypse for sure uh yeah and so uh apocalypse so we've got all these psychics collected at the in the escher planetoid at the axis of time we've got gene gray we've got oracle sinister seems to arrive with games master surprising and then apocalypse announces professor x will be my final prize and we have one more scene oh my gosh so much is happening we go to 3999 where cable and his son Tyler are scaling a cliff uh so they uh because Apocalypse got Cable's time travel device off of him they need a new time travel device their plan is to go back so far that they get rid of Apocalypse's resurrection chamber his Lazarus chamber at the point of its origin and uh Tyler's like but there aren't any more time machines also he looks like real beefy like Tyler looks like a man but he's still kind of like acting like a boy and he sort of sounds like a bro and Cable's like, remember nuclear disarmament in the 21st cent- or the 20th century? Every government kept one bomb. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. They would do that. Um, going back to how Tyler looks and his dad, they're both <laughs> they're both two very they're very buff father-son pair, right? Yes. And I, I guess that 
I kind of imagine that their mother has the same body type as both of them. AKA she's like, in order for like the sun to work out like that, I don't know. <laughs> or, but is it like the... Well, she is, she is muscular, but she does have a hot lady bod. She's a hot lady bod. Okay. Got it. So she in this world, just hot bod. people produce more hot people. Not It's not that like masculine people produce masculine people. Or like... Not exactly. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. Uh, but there, this episode ends with one of my favorite lines. They announced that they are going to get the government's last available time machine. And Cable says, and we're going to borrow it. Like it's like it's like the most threatening thing, right? Now we're gonna take it. We're gonna borrow it, and like that's what I want to use when I go to the library. Well, he needs to find the book, and show, I'm gonna. Borrow. He needs to show that he's responsible. That's a responsible parent, you know. Responsible parents don't steal. That's right. Borrow. Let's set an example for a son. For a son, it's like son. I know we've got big guns of both kinds, but. <laughs> I need to teach you a lesson. <laughs> oh man, so much happened in this episode, friends. Was there anything you didn't get to talk about? I know, I know, I was rolling us through those scenes. Yeah, Sonia. I did notice one of the psychics. Correct me if I'm wrong. If it, maybe it was either this episode or the next episode, but I thought I saw Typhoid Mary. Oh, you may be right. There was a psychic I didn't recognize. Who was, was the one with who... the little antenna on his head? Who was kind of green and red? Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's Games Master, but I bet it's the next one, Sonia, because we see a whole bunch of psychics yeah. in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And Games Master was being guarded by Storm and Beast, and then they left to go be cavalry for the fight that we were talking about this episode, yeah, right? Storm and Gambit, yeah. Storm and Gambit, okay. Um, oh, very interesting. I have a question. Do you think that the people in these prison cells, do you think they're, you know how, like, normally there's one person in a prison cell who's like, really loud and like banging on the bars because they're bored do you think there's like a psychic version of that where one person just keeps like like eye messaging everyone in their brains and it's like stop stop it (laughs) you stop air dropping into my brain (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think it's gene i think gene is the one she looks real unhappy it's her wedding day i uh i'm gonna put that on gene that really sucks that it happened on her wedding day it does. Other time, I mean, this is like a time episode or episodes. Like, come on, give a girl a break. At least let her have her wedding and then, you know, kidnap her. Mm-hmm. It's just adding insult to injury, salt in the wound type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he's evil. He's, he's, so Apocalypse or Paralypse is, is the epitome of evil. <laughs> you know, he is. That he is. And we're going to get more into that philosophy in our next episode. Friends, at the end of Gene No, we like to give out some awards. Who gets the Oscar in this in this episode? Anybody you feel like, oh, like emoted particularly well? I definitely have a nomination. Um, yes. Okay, I think that's Psylocke, when she pretended, when she... She jumped off the cliff and pretended like, oh, no, I'm going to die. And then Archangel picked her up. And then she, and then she was like, oh, I don't have my balance. Thanks so much for saving me. And then stabs him in the back with her psychic blade. I thought that was really good acting mm-hmm. on her part. Outstanding. Yeah, I can see that. With honorable mention for the Apocalypse double cross when he said, I lied. Remember that? That was also in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say. I was gonna, yeah, I was actually gonna nominate De- uh, uh, I was gonna nominate Deathbird because of that huge betrayal that he just did to her. Mm, it was just like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna get the throne, I'm gonna get the throne. Ah, what? You lied? Oh, yeah, that was so mean. Ah, it's so mean. So mean. MVP. MVP, any, anybody who we feel is most valuable? I don't know. I feel like Archangel is kind of valuable. I was glad he was around. Yeah, he did a really great job. Um, I, I think that uh, Gladiator really, I, I mean, like, I, it wasn't as central to the plot, but I think he did a very good job. Yeah. Yep. Good call. And any any favorite lines? Well, I really liked uh, Silak saying, I knew you wouldn't let me die, fool! <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so mean. 
Right. So mean. So mean. I'll also throw out that is not funny, Gambit. As well <laughs> as when uh where where is it? And we're gonna borrow it. And yep. also when, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and also when Warren says, I wonder what she looks like under that mask. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I did right too, yeah. I do although I these are these are great lines. I'm still hung up and I love the line of I lied. That hands down <laughs> to me is just so like jaw dropping, heart wrenching, like, oh no, he did it type of thing. I just mm. Yeah, so that's that's mine. That's that's the one that I'm sticking to. Love it. Love it. Friends, this has been a great episode. Thank you for being a part of it. If uh if our listeners wanna find you on the old interwebs, where they could they do that? Drew, where can they find you? I am at Drew Kunis, D-R-E-W-K-U-N-S, on Instagram. Heck yeah. Sonia? I am also on Instagram at, uh, you know, a little A sign, the after sign, Sonia Nam. S-O-N-I-A-N-A-M. So you can catch me there. Love it. You can find me at Musical Theater, uh, which is M-U-C-E-K-A-L theater and uh, you can follow the podcast at gene dash no with four o's on instagram and facebook join us next time for beyond good and evil part three gene no an x-men the animated series podcast 